So I think it would be great, you know, in getting this going. Why don't we uh, why don't we tell our audience a little bit about our businesses and, and where we're broadcasting from since we're in such a, a great, unique space in, in Maryland and in the United States. So I'll start. Um, look, I'm Mick Arnold, the president of Arnold Packaging. We're a 90-year-old manufacturer and distributor of packaging materials. We have a couple of divisions, a, a packaging division where we make containers out of both wood and cardboard. And we distribute industrial supplies that are generally made by other people, big brands like 3M, Signode, Sealed Air, Pregis. And then we have a division that does automation, and um, that's dedicated to productivity solutions. So we help manufacturers and e-commerce distributors get more product out the door or do it with less people or generally a combination of both. So uh, two distinct divisions that are very synergistic, though, in how we support our customers and and. Uh, one will turn 90 years old this year, and we're celebrating our sixth anniversary in our automation division. Awesome. Well, as you know very well, we are not 90 years old. Uh, we're going on seven, and I am the founder and president of Tegler Construction and Supply. We do exactly what it sounds like. We sell construction materials um, all, all up and down the, the East Coast, and we can go all over the U.S., We've got uh, some really great distributor partnerships in place. Our core competency is wood, precast, and pipe. We do a lot of miscellaneous other things, but it's all construction, it's all commercial, and we have a very heavy focus on infrastructure work. So highway, bridges, we're also doing some marine and water work. Um, as I said, it started the company in 2016, and we've experienced some really amazing explosive growth. Uh, that we're, we're just trying to continue. And it's one of the reasons that we moved our businesses together to this amazing location called Trade Point Atlantic. So now we're in a 300,000 square foot, 100,000 square foot of which is ours, dedicated space, multimodal. Uh, the, in fact, the biggest multimodal uh, piece of industrial land in North America. So there's port, there's rail, and there's trucking. Um, so we've positioned ourselves in what we believe is an amazing location for growth for our companies. And I think we should also add for those of us that, you know, those people that don't know us that we also happen to be married, yeah. which is uh, really what I think a lot of people are interested in is, is that dynamic of how we handle both uh, our personal lives together and, and that intimacy as well as running businesses together 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> you know, and, and to lead in, I mean, the fact that, you know, you're in the construction business and, you know, we moved here, I mean, this, this, this facility, and unfortunately our viewers can't see it, but, you know, just a massive parcel of land that used to be occupied by Bethlehem Steel and Bethlehem Ship, uh, 40,000 workers a day reporting here. And, and over the years with, with some of the, um, loss of manufacturing in the U.S. to Asia and other places where they make a lot more steer than steel than we do now. Um, this, this plot of land was just sitting and dilapidating until 2014 where some new investors came in and, and now we're, we're on the move. You know, we've got neighbors like Amazon and Home Depot, Floor and Decor, uh, you name it, Under Armour, just a, a great lineup of, of American companies. And then people from, from other parts of the world that see a lot of value here, whether it's Volkswagen or BMW and landing automobiles. And, uh, you know, Baltimore's on the move as a port. If you look at, uh, you know, Newark or, or Charleston or Savannah, some other East Coast-based ports, I think Baltimore's poised to, to make a move here right in the middle of the, the country and, you know, great labor, 
and, and great infrastructure and, and rail and road like you talked about. So I think we're fortunate to, to be here. And, and it's cool, too, to look around as I drive and you know see precast concrete or lumber and know that, you know, you're the one working on those materials with TPA and with the contractors that work here. And it's all it's all right in this area. So it's been been cool to watch and and uh, and fun to experience and be part of. I mean, we obviously are loud and vocal about TPA and Baltimore and Maryland in general. And I think this is the hotbed of it right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think for context, for everyone listening that, you know, this is obviously our, our first episode. We hope there are many, many more. We're going to dig deeper as we go into what you love, manufacturing and into construction. But I really think for the purpose of this episode, it would be helpful if we take a step back. Prior to us merging our businesses into this very building, how did we meet? How did we decide it was a good move to, to move here and move our lives in together? Um, and what did that look like? I think starting there to try to paint that picture before we dig a little deeper into other things would be really, really helpful and cool yeah. and, and quite funny. Yeah, I think uh, we could call this business and love, right? Because the business is really what brought us together and, and uh, you know, roll back just to 2018 when we met and you were head down building uh, Tegler Construction very early days. And you know, while Arnold Packaging was an 84-year-old business at that time, we had a startup business on our hands in automation. And we're learning the hard way how to get into a, a new space and, and one that was you know synergistic with what we were doing. We entered because we had a lot of customers asking us for it. There was a lot of trust and credibility, but still a reach. And, and while close to our lane, not our lane. So, you know, I remember you were in the same spot. We met at uh, Grasmic Lumber and and uh, a good friend of ours brokered a meeting over there because simply I was buying pallets and you were selling pallets. And that was the initial connection. And turned out uh, that, that I had known your uncle for a long time. And uh, we had been in and around Baltimore and mutual customers and, and always had a lot of respect for each other. And it was just a, a very natural meeting when we first met at, uh, at Grasmic. I still remember being in the conference room and talking about pallets and, and then leaving and thinking, well, that was cool. Yeah. But, you know, back to it, back to building an automation business and, and keeping the, the core business, the packaging business afloat and thriving. And I, I, uh, I didn't give a tremendous amount of thought to it that day. Certainly a great meeting, but put my head down and went back to work like usual. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit, um, and at that time, as you alluded to, I was I was building a business, and it had come at really a desperate time for me. I would say um, I had just been a part of a company that I loved, and it just didn't work out. And at that point, I was coming to all of these realizations. Like, wow, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I can work in a super corporate environment, and, and really. The reason I would say for that was I, I really wanted to be creative and I wanted to push boundaries and I wanted to try new things. And I was working within an organization that had still is amazing and they are a well-oiled machine and they do things one way and they have no reason to change. I mean, they're incredibly profitable and, and credible, all of these things. But when you're a young person that wants to, to push those boundaries, obviously you can see where there would be some heads that were butting along the way. And so it wasn't a great fit for them and it wasn't a great fit for me. But along the way, I learned a ton about construction and, and real estate. And that was one of the uh, 
you know, being there, I made so many connections. So ultimately that experience was so valuable in being able to launch my own business. But at the end of the day, it it did come like my feet were to the fire. I was just working off the savings in my bank account. I certainly didn't have a bank that would lend any money to me or investors. They're like, who the hell are you? Like you haven't done anything. And you're a female. And I'm a female (laughs) in the most male dominated industry in the world. So there are all these odds against me, but I saw the opportunity And the opportunity that I saw, so for anybody that's even thinking about starting a business or that's very entrepreneurial in nature, it's, you know, there's got to be a problem to be solved. You can't just start a business and just think it's it's going to work. There's got to be a problem. And the problem that I saw was there was a lot of state and government contracts, which do require minority owned businesses to participate. And there just weren't a lot that were strong enough and capable enough to really complete these contracts. So I said, well, hell, if I can start a woman owned business and be an incredible supplier that happens to have a certification rather than the opposite, I think we can really I say exploit, that might not be the right word, but take advantage of of this market and particularly locally. And so that's the the niche and the opportunity I saw um, and went for it. And of course, it was not this linear, amazing, it was just all the ebbs and flows you can think of. But that's the initial, my thinking, right, why this may work. And during that time, that's when I had met you and, and life was crazy. And I was just trying to sell anything to anyone and make $1. Yeah, and Literally $1 would have been yeah. amazing at that time. And we were having some great happy hours at that particular point in time. And every couple of months we'd get together. And I just remember as I was, you know, meeting people and, and, uh, you know, I had recently gotten out of a, of a marriage and was spending a lot of time solo, but you know, meeting people and getting back out there and also to getting Arnold packaging, which, you know, until 2016 was called Arnold's factory supplies, trying to get it into the market. I think we were in general, one of the more covert old businesses in the area. You know, we just stayed in our space, which was packaging. And, you know, I joke about manufacturing and trying to get them out. It's almost as if, you know, not now I'm, I'm making things or almost like you're on your own Island. And so I was trying to do more of that and we were having some great happy hours. And like I typically did, I thought, oh, you know, Britt's a great person. She'd be an awesome addition to our group. So I dropped your name on and, you know, sent you the emails with everybody else. And I think probably the morning of every single time you were not able to make it, <laughs> which was, which was fine. It was just, yeah, I was like, all right, bummer, but maybe next time. And I think that went on for, gosh, I don't know, six, eight happy hours, which would have been a year, mm-hmm. probably pushing the better part of a year. Yeah. During that time I was, um, I was, I had just bought a new, my first actually, the first home I had ever bought was during that time. And I just so happened to not have a job right after that. So I I turned all the utilities off. I didn't buy any furniture. I had one lamp, which I still remember exactly what it looks like, this beige, ugly (laughs) lamp on the floor. Uh, I had all my bedding on the floor. Uh, didn't, Didn't have TV, you know, no subscriptions, nothing like that. And I was just working sun up till sundown to try to make it work. I was getting every license. I was doing whatever I could. Now, in hindsight, going out and, and being with people probably would have been a smart move, but I was just trying to get the nuts and bolts of a business and off the ground. So, um, yeah, it, it was a very scary time for me. But the other thing, and I think about this a lot, I'm like, would I have been able to do that if 
fear was not involved because it is such a great motivator. And I see so many people that are absolutely paralyzed by fear. But I've always said, if you can learn to dance with it, it can be like the best motivator. So I'm like, if I did have this, this safety net, would I have been able to do that? I I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it it was definitely, I, I look back and Man, I aged a lot during those couple of years, but it was so instrumental, I think, in being able to do what I did and, and just like I had to swim so hard to just stay above water. Yeah. So I think about that a lot. And um, anybody, I, th- I think anybody that's going through a hard time now, that's just something to think about. Like, I am certain in years you'll look back and be like, wow, I what I gained from that period was pretty amazing. Sure. But yeah. it's, it's, it's impossible to see that during the time. And so um, meet... Uh, that goes, that leads me to my next point was meeting you. Like I wasn't, not that I didn't think you were a great person or anything like that. However, my mind was just trying to survive literally. Yeah. Well, in those moments, nothing takes priority over the mission, you know, you're, you're, and I think you'll never know, right. You'll never know what the outcome would have been if you had approached a different way, but I'm sure, you know, you beat some people to market or you threaded the needle in spots, which got you relationships or, got you positioned to win business that you ultimately did. It's hard to ever piece it all together, but I'd be shocked if there wasn't some of that along the way. And I remember uh, that particular day when I got a text from you saying, what are you doing tomorrow? And I I think it was a Tuesday. And I thought, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm going to be here working a 14 or 15 hour day like usual. But I didn't know that it was going to snow because I never really paid that close of attention to it because I would just sleep on the couch in my office if uh, if it got too bad and, and get up and, and, and roll over to my desk and go back to work the next day. But yeah, so not working and, and uh, maybe getting out and watching it snow for an afternoon sounded like a good idea to me, especially at One-Eyed Mike's because there's never any shortage of Grand Marnier if you, if you need that on a Wednesday at lunch. So One-Eyed Mike's up. <laughs> For those of you that who aren't familiar with Baltimore, it's just it's just a bar in the city, and I believe for both it was walking distance for both of us. Mm-hmm. So it was a easy meetup, and I remember starting to talk, and you immediately started to talk about robots. I was like, this dork. Oh my! I mean, I knew you were a dork, <laughs> but like in a weird way, I was like, this this is fascinating because there's so many things to talk about that are interesting, but then we also had so many other interests. It'd be soccer. Um, one of our favorite restaurants, like all, all of these things. And then eight hours later, yeah, we were still talking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and business and, and all, yeah, there were so many parallels that, that, uh, uh, parallels, but then also alignment too, right. And intersections. And it was just a very easy, easy conversation. And, you know, it's eight hours later when I thought, oh boy, we got together at 12 for lunch and here it is <laughs> eight o'clock. And, I think it was the 21st of March. So there was still some St. Patrick's Day toxins laying mm-hmm. around that we uh, we checked out. And, oh, and yeah. uh, it was interesting. I, I mean, I certainly I knew that my life was different than when I got there, which was which was cool and interesting. I just didn't know if you felt the same way. That was a really hard part. It, it was. And then you asked me to dinner the next night. And I was like, yes, <laughs> we were but thinking said, the same thing. No, you were like, yes, but you said no. I, I did. Like, <laughs> I had to work. I had to work event. We went out the next night. True. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's so, it's another interesting thing about it is I, I was in serious relationships prior to that, but I never was experienced anything where I, I felt like I could merge or 
harmonize these two lives. Like they were very separate. It was business and it was personal and they were in their separate silos and that's how I handled them. And that's, it, it wasn't by, like I, I didn't intend for that to happen. I just sort of thought that's the way it was mm-hmm. and that's how it had always been. So to even think of hanging out with my boyfriend and we'd both be working on our computers at the same time in the room, like working, just wasn't a thought that crossed my mind. Right. So for me, I was like, well, this, this will never work. Like this is, this came from a business relationship and how, you know, how, well, it very organically was, I I started, we started working together and I started to realize, wow, like if you're with the right person, not only can you, you know, is your personal life great, but business can get so much better. And I had this as a, as a young single ambitious female, like I didn't think I could have a career and also have this like really significant relationship. I Mm. just didn't think it would work. And then all of a sudden I realized, and for anybody, again, that's in this position, it's just about finding that alignment as we talk about, because if you are aligned, it will just boost everything in your life. Like absolutely. And that's what it, it, it just like rocked my world. I was like, I, I cannot believe this, this is reality, but you don't know what you don't know. Sure. Well, and just, just in general to not have to go outside of your relationship or anything, you know, I have a problem or a sounding board and I don't have to spend hours and hours building the scenario for you. You're on, you know, you're on point, you get it, you've listened or you've overheard a conversation or I've directly shared with you a particular problem that I'm having, or I'm just sitting back and watching you operate or or doing what you're doing and thinking, Hmm, you know, we used to be really good at that when we were smaller and somehow we've gotten, you know, lazy, sloppy, um, whatever would have us not as, as scrappy. Content. Yeah. Content, complacent. Another good one. Um, not as, not as scrappy as I got to watch you with your business when, when, uh, you know, resources are even more precious. They're always precious, but even more precious when you're a startup and you're, um, you know, your, your, um, uh, ability to make mistakes is less. You know, you just you don't have the resources in those early moments or the assets to withstand a lot of mistakes or any significant, like we say, you know, miss the bomb. Like we're just mm-hmm. missing the bomb in uh, in moments. So it's always fascinating. And yeah, I mean, with the idea where you could get a relationship where one plus one would equal five or six or seven, and uh, and I think that's that's how it's been along the way even even early on i remember when we lived in different spots we were terrible apart you know it was just it was awful cuz we would go back into our head down modes and we were physically separated but we were also even disconnected because we were both head down and um, you know and then it completely came full circle when we we were moved into or lived in the same spot that was a completely different scenario and it's been like that ever since so yeah very much so Yeah. And I I think one thing you've touched on, but I'm going to take it a little further is being that sounding board for each other, which is really amazing. You don't have to seek all these outside resources just to brainstorm or get ideas or reassurance. You know, half the time we're talking and the other one isn't saying a damn thing, but it's just, you need that. It's a vent. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what was really cool is I get to experience the wisdom and the knowledge uh, that, you know, you've acquired businesses. You've, you've had to do everything that a 90 year old business, a successful one has done. Mm -hmm. So I get to learn all of that real time and it just expedites my learning process as a business owner and founder. And then you're taking away, as you said, our smaller, um, younger grind, yeah. our, our scrappiness, you know, stay, stay scrappy. That's, that's my, 
merch coming soon. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I believe in that so much. Like you got to scrap. And the second my team, there's like a small little job for a great customer. They're like, oh, we're not, we're not going to touch that. It's, I'm like, you go, you go get the best pricing we can for that $500. That's saying scrappy. That's doing what you need for your customer. And I want to live by that every single year. I don't care if, you know, after 90 years, I still want to say we're scrappy. And so I think those just taking those lessons from each other and and interchanging them and then like weaving them into both of our businesses is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you can, if at some point we wake up and you have 500 people, you can still have groups of scrappy people that are still executing that way. And they still make, (laughs) (laughs) and they still maintain that same agility, right? It's about the agility too and the speed at which you can execute. I mean, we, we have a saying, this has been a really interesting year and multiple years, just the explosive growth in the last two to three years, a lot of which was powered by inflation. I mean, the, the amount of, of uh, price increases that we've had to endure and our, our customers as well, and they've supported us through. And, and you know, watching that piece and now all of a sudden a complete shift with the Fed and, and some of the things that they're doing to slow it down, you just never stop leading and managing and, and trying to read the tea leaves as best you can. And, and uh, you know, this year has a look going back to being, you know, very frugal and smart. Not that we were ever wasteful, but it has a different focus. You know, last couple of years was where the heck are we going to get it? What's the supply chain look like? When I get it, how am I going to get it? What's the gallon of fuel going to cost when we have to drive it to the customer? Yet another shift and, and pivot. So, yeah, I think uh, that just that ability to get small, stay agile, and, and that's what that I love to watch your business do, and 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 the way you train your your uh, your team too. You got young players like we have young players, and it's uh, it's fun to watch them and, and invest in them to try to get them to understand why it works um, the way it does here. At least other companies do other things, but how we've gotten at least where we are. I'm really looking forward as we get into these episodes. I don't think it's necessarily warranted appropriate right now, but to go through some of the things we're talking about, like dig deep into our businesses and things that, you know, we're, we're experiencing as business owners with our teams. I mean, I have, I was talking to you yesterday about some, some real challenges that I'm struggling with. And one of it is being like a really lean team that's doing a lot of volume and, and how, how I'm managing it, how we're balancing the stress in our lives. And it, it, there's a lot going on. And some of that has to do with our processes or lack thereof and all of these things. And I think it would be really cool as we go to talk about the challenges we're having while we're having it, while we still haven't figured it out. Sure. Because as I was talking to you, you know, you're suggesting all these things. I'm like, wow, good point. Haven't thought of that. And it, I, it's relatable, and I think it would it would help a lot of other business owners who are undoubtedly or or biz managers, anybody within a company that has some kind of difficulty they're dealing with doesn't have to be a business owner. As we're working through it, as we go, there's hundreds, thousands, millions, maybe of other people that are going through the same thing, mm-hmm. like trying to work through it together, real sure. time, and total transparency and vulnerability. Because so much of this, I haven't figured out, yep. and I'm working through it every day. Yeah, and look, and, and for my part, having been through some some painful moments, if I mean, I would just say in general, in my teachings or travels, 
anything I can share that would keep someone out of the same troubles that I experienced along the way, I would happily share or at least let them listen to it and they could decide if it was appropriate um, for what they're doing or the situation that they're in and maybe run in a different direction or say, oh boy, that looks like where I am and <laughs> Mick got it wrong again over there. Maybe I'll do something different. That would be great. And I think too, but then not to miss the personal side because we do work for small businesses and their family businesses, if you will. You have a, a sister and a mom and and I have an uncle, but came from a business that at one point had aunts and uncles and you name it. My father hired and, and uh, I guess ultimately they moved on. They're not here. So they moved on in some direction, but not losing the, uh, you know, the love part of our, our, uh, our podcast and, and sharing the, the people side, especially the ones that we have now that we consider family, even if they have a different last name. Well, that's really the only thing that matters, yeah. I think. And that's why we've felt compelled to do this for so long because we value relationships and these conversations more than anything. And I, it's actually a shame it's taken this long, but I think we're getting it right uh, this time around. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to sharing. Um, and, and one thing I think if, if we can take a little bit of a pivot and, and dive back into the interpersonal side of things, you know, we've really touched a lot on, on this first half of, how we met, how it worked, how one plus one equals five. But a lot of the questions are on the other end of the spectrum. Well, it's got to be challenging. You know, you're both working 24-7. You're together 24-7. How do you make it work? What does that look like? Um, what do you wish, what could you guys do better? Like all of these types of questions. Mm -hmm. I just threw a lot at you, but maybe we could start touching on some of that or starting at sure. least somewhere. Yeah, pick one. Okay. What is the hardest part of, of love and business? Oh gosh. I would say the hardest part is, uh, is being conscious about stopping working every once in a while. And, um, because uh, if you walked into our house on any given night or weekend, you know, you'd find that we have an L shaped sectional like most people do. And I'm, I'm generally on one side and you on the other, just because it lets us face each other. And, but we're on our, our, uh, laptops and cleaning up the day or, or planning the next day. And it's almost as if, you know, when we leave the office, if we don't use that as the stopping point and we go home and pull the laptops out again, for example, then we've lost that evening, right? We're still together for sure, but, but generally head down. I think the, uh, the hardest part is because we understand each other so well. I mean, in another relationship I had, you almost had someone over your shoulder tapping their feet. Like, are you going to get off of that laptop yet? That's the exact opposite. You're like, well, if you're going to be on yours, I certainly have another 30 hours of work to do. I'll just start knocking it out too. So I think one of the harder parts is just to put it aside for a second. And, and, you know, both of us have this issue with perfection and, and, um, and never letting one down or always putting the ball back in someone else's court and just saying, you know what, if it gets there tomorrow, that's going to be okay. Or this expectation that I have is mine and mine alone. And it's even a bit of a made up story. It's okay to do this tomorrow because the customer is not going to be jazzed whether you get it there at this time or that time, they just need it. And, and I think we both drive so hard in that direction that, that we can feed each other. And I think long answer to that's the, that's one of the hard parts. Not that there's a lot, but just that thing where, you know, you and even I just be like, man, I, I miss you. And you'd say, well, what the hell you sat across from each other the last four nights and it's not the same. And, and I think that's the tough part or can be with how we're both programmed that we can just do that. You know, we both know there's a lot to be done versus saying, yeah, you know what? It's Thursday and that's going to be there tomorrow. And our customers will still love us and respect us and value what we do if it gets there 
tomorrow instead of tonight. And we'll still get up at four o'clock in the morning and it'll be there before they get to their desk. But you know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think that's, that's one of the pieces that if, if I'm intentional about or try to be more conscious of, you know, us not walking up the stairs next to each other at 930, having sat across from each other for three hours because when we got home from work, that's one that, that uh, I think lately too, it's been that way with uh, some of the challenges with the business, new people. We've, we've onboarded one a week for the last three weeks. That training has to be done. So that's, that's the one that I watch the most closely. Yeah. And and certainly there's ebbs and flows in our businesses where we're going through different transitions and it warrants just more time going head down. But I was actually giggling inside a little bit as you were like, you know, if we don't put our laptops away when, when we leave the office, like I'm not sure I can remember a night we didn't have our laptop out. So it's just it, it really doesn't happen. Yeah. And I, I, there are two things that come, there were two different things playing in my mind as you were going through that. And one is that, that saying iron sharpens iron, right? And I, and I love that saying, but I think sometimes you drive harder and I drive hard and not, not in a competitive way, sure, yeah. but competitive, like a, a supportive competitive, way. does that make sense? Like we're not yeah. competing against each other, Sure. but it's like, okay, well I'm, I'm going to push this boulder up the hill and it's going to roll down while well, I'm going to get the next one on my back and go back up. And you and I have this way about us. If there's not some kind of like controlled chaos, there's not something big looming like we've got to go down the hill and get the next boulder and I see you doing it and I'm like I got to drive you see I and and that's like just this ongoing thing and I really struggle with you know losing what will happen if I lose what I'm calling the edge some of it might call it something whether it's type a or but you know wake up at three run 10 miles do all like just hard charging and everything like if I strip that back do I, do, do I change as a person and therefore I'm, everything's going to fall apart. Like, right. and I know that when I say that out loud, it sounds so ridiculous. Of course not. And all, all of these other parts of your life are very important, but I, I definitely struggle with walking that line and, and something you say you can't cut with a dull blade as we're, wow, all these, uh, yeah. all these analogies oh, yeah. are very Our similar. Our poor audience is going to get uh, yeah. saying to death. Wait till I start to pull out some of my dads from, you know, the twenties and thirties. That'll yeah. be amazing. But I mean, I, I think about that a lot. I'm like, while that's true, uh, I just keep on cutting. Yeah. And so I, I, well, you'll just spin the blade harder to yeah, keep cutting. Right. right. I'll try I, to outwork it. I'll try to run. That's why I hate golf. Golf sucks because you can't <laughs> out hustle it. If you out hustle it, you just get worse. Well, if it was about hustle, I couldn't play. So <laughs> as the slowest person in America, golf's a better foot sport for me. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely get into that. Yeah. So, so that's one. Um, where was I going with the other one? Oh, the other thing I was thinking about was our hobbies, which I really, I like this conversation. I think about it more and more because a part of me is always like, we need to get more hobbies. We need to do more things. And the other side of me is like, well, well, why? I actually love business. I could talk about it, entrepreneurship, you know, women-owned businesses all day, every day. And I love it. And that is, that is my hobby. I love working out. That's more of an exercising. I say that's my other thing, but that's more of a therapy, oasis, sweat therapy, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's what we do. It's what we talk about. It's what we love. And quite frankly, I I, I don't see much of a need to change it or or fit that narrative. Like you've got to have these hobbies to be happy because certainly we're happy. And as you've said before, we do something else if we weren't. True. Um, I'm I'm not saying we shouldn't diversify a little bit. That might be that might be good. But this is part of it. I mean, I would consider this. 
as a uh, as a hobby or diversification. I mean, by no means are we paying the bills with this. That that's the definition of a hobby. Not yet. Come <laughs> and, on. And I uh, and this is a release. I know uh, when we just practiced or trained, even just stopping for a second and talking, because it's even been tough to do that lately. It's almost like we have to schedule a podcast to have a conversation mm. and stick some mics in that our face and sad. throw on some headphones. Yeah. But at least it's happening, right? Who cares why it's happening? And if we get to share it, then I, I hope there's a, hope there's some benefit. That would be a great outcome. That's actually a really good point. Uh, I think when we talk about work, there's also that really uh, the creative side. So it's not just Arnold Packaging, Arnold Automation, and Tegler Construction and Supply. It's everything else. And in fact, McBrit, McBrit Ventures, we created together, which is our business, just to do that. Sure. It's if we've got a, so, you know, we, we do real estate together. Um, masks. We, we, we created a, a mask business during that time. Yeah. We've, we've brokered some different things. So whatever creative pursuit is, sounds like something we want to do. And we don't want it to be under the umbrellas of our business for a multitude of reasons. We pursue it through McBrit Ventures. Yep. So that creative side, which I need, um, I, we, we'd still do that. So I think that's imp an important to distinguish that it's not always just our, our core businesses. Like there is this other, I call this an outlet too, even though it sure. is at the end of the day, business. Yeah. And then throw in, and the other part too is then throw in the... Um the nonprofit work that we get to do together, right? I mean, there's any, in, which are very well aligned with our businesses too. And, and I just, and it's not like business, 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 but what I've learned, kind of. it is, but I think what I've learned is that, you know, I, I want to be involved with philanthropic, you know, movements and things like that. But if I've tried things that were too far out of my lane historically, they just weren't sustainable. So in the lane, right? Children, love children. What can I do? Well, why not be part of junior achievement that works on financial literacy. So that's aligned. And I mean, I've tried anything under the sun along the way. Buddies got me involved in this. I, there's one charity I was involved with. It was about the solstice. And on that particular day, we played as many holes as we could on the longest day of the year. And that was, that was great. But as soon as we broke from that, it just, it wasn't sustainable because of how demanding business was. So I just find more and more that, have to find things that are within reach of in the lane, preferably, but at least within reach of the lanes, mm -hmm. whether that's manufacturing based and you can still get back, you know, you with Salvation Army, we do JA together, me in the manufacturing world. So those are all fun too. And they'd be like business, business, but they, they are, but they aren't. I mean, what a great way to be able to lean into that and, and be, and have the time and bandwidth because it's aligned with your business, right? If you had to completely unbolt and go do something different, it would be hard to find the time. And it just, it just makes it less sustainable. Absolutely. Like everything we do under McBrit Ventures, um, is, is certainly supportive of, of, of our businesses or, or at the very least uh, similar in nature. It's support is probably the better word because it, it would be too hard. Um, and Plus, we, we are already doing what we love, so why wouldn't we do a little, little bit more of that, just a little differently? So let's talk about sports and soccer, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always the one that has to bring up the fact that you played soccer at am a I, really... At am a really, I blushing already? At a, at a, really, at a really high level. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just, you know, the it, again, back to uh, snowy Wednesday, as we refer to the, the first day of spring when it snowed in 18, and one of the other things we connected on was athletics and, you know, me playing golf, which I, I still argue is an activity and not a sport. <laughs> Sorry, you guys are golfers. Um, but you a soccer, right? And, and, and then just comparing the takeaways and, and, you know, how playing those sports with that type of discipline and, and, um, 
the preparation, I think is a great word that we, that we then pour into business and how we execute. So, you know, tell, tell everybody about the soccer side, which I think is really fascinating. So soccer was my life from age four. And I literally do mean age four. I picked it up and it was, it was pretty obvious to my parents, like immediately. Um, so age four on through, I guess I was 21 or 22. I was pursuing a professional career in the States. Um, I was on, you know, preseason rosters and, and, you know, trying to pursue a soccer career. Ultimately, it ended when I, uh, I was given three days. It wasn't, the league wasn't too financially stable. It wasn't a ton of teams yet. And they gave me an opportunity to play for PSG in France, but they only gave me three days to go over there, like go get training there. Um, you know, you'll come back with a lot of experience. And I was thinking I three days to move to move my life to France after I had, you know, I had gone, I'd played through OD Olympic development, regional teams, um, D1 at UConn. UConn. Uh, yeah. Shout Natty. out. UConn Natty champs. <laughs> um, I had played on the best national t- or best uh, club team in the nation and had gone through youth national camp. So I really played it. Ev- not really. I had played at every level and I felt like I got everything I wanted out of it so that it was a good transition for me into business, um, ultimately not going to France to play. And, but it was hard. Like I lost my identity for a minute there. Mm-hmm. It's like I was Brittany, the soccer player. And that's what I knew. And that's where my friends were that, that everything about my life had been that. And my sense of just self, my, the achievement I got from it. Heck, it was my, my parents' life. You know, they traveled. I mean, God bless my parents. They just did everything and they were there. Their friends were from soccer. So anyway, it was like this chapter of, it was like my life was just being stripped, but I felt really good about making that move into business. Mm -hmm. And you've heard me talk about this a million times, but what I learned from the sport of soccer that I now utilize and I contribute to soccer and business I mean, it's, 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 it goes well beyond education or school. Not that those things aren't great, but by and large, it is the most impactful thing on myself as a business owner. And again, I say this all the time, but once I was able to, how I was out of that, out of that headspace where I had lost my identity, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I was supposed to be. The minute I could say to myself, okay, this is, this is a sport. It's the sport of business. And all you're doing is you're switching from the sport of soccer to the sport of business. It's not quite uh, as physically demanding, obviously, although it has ended up being different considering how much I exercise now (laughs) for as therapy, which is more actually, but, um, it, it, but it was still so, so similar. You know, you, you had to do, you had to wake up early, you had to be disciplined, you have to be committed. Uh, everything is the same. And there's this really amazing stat and I, I'm going to butcher it. I wish I knew it, but it was something crazy. Like the 90% of women in uh, C-suite played a D1 sport of some kind. Yeah, you're just, close. I remember. Just some correlation that yep. is, is undeniable. Sure. 
And I mean, it, it, it just goes to show you really the power of sport. And I would say maybe even more the power of sport with women, um, because I think women struggle a little bit more, or I know they do with the confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things is confidence and empowerment that sports give yeah. to women, to yeah. females. Agreed. So I, I am very comfortable and I wouldn't say I have been from the beginning, but maybe more so than most women coming right into the business world of going into any room with a group full of guys, which I do now on every day. Everybody, I not everybody, but most people are males. And I can walk into a room with 20 males and, and I don't even notice. Sure. You know, but it's that confidence that has been garnered and gained and learned through years of sports. So, I, I mean, I, I could do five different episodes on just that. Right. And maybe I, maybe we will. Yeah. Or just elements, right? I mean, gosh, I think about, for me, if I think about sports and, and I, you know, played any number of things along the way, I would say golf at the highest level, but different, right? A team sport versus an individual sport, but all of it comes back to the preparation component and, and that piece. And then just just the idea of how little separation there is when you get to the top levels of anything, whether it's business or sport or, or picket, that as you get higher up and the levels get higher and higher, that the the uh, the differences get smaller and smaller. And you know, one of my favorite stats and, and one I still follow. I followed it through college, and, and I was always interested in what a shot meant. You know, if I if I left a shot on the course. What did that do or how, what was that separation? So if you were to pull that data up now, and, and our poor listeners are going to get a lot of data from my side, right? Because that's, that's not as much my side. Don't what, worry about that's it. That's what makes me go. <laughs> um, you know, if you just if you just look at the difference in one stroke between, you know, the lowest stroke average and one sh- one shot back, it's not even one shot back, but you go about 21 spaces back. So in the land of golf, which, which talking about, you know, three putting, missing one, leaving a shot on the course. It's 21 spaces. And then you take that to business and whether it's Fortune 100 companies or whatever your space is, that's the, that's the separation at the top as well. Or if you're a great salesperson, let's just not even get out of the, you know, the ownership component. If you're a great salesperson competing at a high level, you're selling high value equipment or something like that, or industries like that where that sale has more of a zero sum game, somebody wins that machine and somebody loses mm-hmm. that machine, then the separation at that level is, is the same, right? There's a very, I think, a direct correlation or, or um uh, similarity to that, that really resonates with me coming out of that sport. And, you know, in that sales piece, while you do have teams, and a lot of times there is that one-on-one or that individual component towards the end when you're making the pitch or your, your lead on, on representing the company that does have more of that individual athlete feel for that moment, despite you worked on it with a team of applications engineers for us or whatever. But, uh, I think that's the piece that has really stuck with me. My father has a, uh, 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 a card that that I've kept with me along. It says mental toughness is essential to success, and I think that's right there too. That mental toughness component, and um, that's the piece that I that I certainly took away. And, and just just keeping an eye on you know how do you how do you continue to separate as you get better and and you get towards the higher levels of competition? What's the preparation look like to separate yourself in that fraction of a shot, if you will, or whatever that that comparison is. The mental piece is interesting. I, I, I call it men, it's mental warfare and how do you endure that every single day? And that's the biggest thing that soccer, to this day, I still say soccer is harder 
than running a business. I mean, for me, it, it wasn't, they're both are different and have their different challenges. But I, I would just remember, especially when I was playing on these like, Olympic development or, or national teams and you'd compete all day and then you'd wake up in the morning and you had your best friend that was um, in the room with you and you'd have to like look on the list to see if you made the pool of players and like one of you did and one of you didn't. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, my, my career is done. Like I'm not on the list of this, this pool, a pool and your best friends on the B pool and she's crying. Like it was just every day. And you didn't know, like when you're playing on the, or trying out for these pro teams, you're going to wake up the next day. You're like, am I going to be on the list? Am I going to be riding the pine? Am I now all of a sudden going to be in the amateur league? Like you at day to day, it was such mental warfare. I mean, there was no predictability, for most of us, you know, you had the the five or six players that were just the best and they didn't have to worry. But I mean, for the most of us that were competing. Again, back to that very small change, right? So the best five, there's 11 on the field. So five standouts and then six of you vying in a very tight space Way for, more than that. for who stays and who goes, well, the, right? You know, like a, 20, a, a yes. squad of 22 or whatever it right. was. For the next six months. But spots. I mean, it was just every single day of my life, I just had no stability and just having to endure that. And that was so hard. And then not to mention, you're just so physically exhausted. So then you have to feel how to, how to manage that when you're already just so tired. Sure. Um, so then when I came to business, even, even the harder, hardest things were manageable. Mm -hmm. Now I have days where I would tell you otherwise, but I mean, for the most part, it's like, okay, I've, I've been here. I've, I've, I've been in this rehearsal before. Like I've rehearsed this before. I, I know how to get out of this. Right. Yeah. And the longer you do it, I mean, uh, great, uh, you know, Ray Lewis example, as he continued to play, he might've lost a step, but he saw the angles better. And I think there's part of that in the business side where, you know, you might lose a step, you know, you get fatigued a little faster. Those, those, you know, 20 hour days, which I've, I've certainly worked. We, bought a business along the way and worked some twenties on the, on the uh, transition, you know, you might get tired, but at least you do start to see the angles and you still get to the ball or you still make the tackle, even though you're not quite, not quite as fast. And that is one of the benefits of doing this for a long time because it is familiar. Like you just said, it's, it's familiar and, and that familiarity makes you more comfortable or confident and, and you can change the outcome simply by, by showing up that way. Yeah. I mean, I will, I will never admit to not being as fast. So with that. <laughs> well, that's a good part about never being fast. <laughs> so the sports stuff is, uh, is great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it doesn't take, and I say this a lot, especially to young females who I do talk to, I just talked to a squad of, uh, young youth flag football players oh, yeah. Yeah, who nice. they're trying, you know, they're getting flag football into high schools now and they're trying to get it into colleges so females can get flag football scholarships, which is incredible and so cool to see. But where I was going was like, you don't have to be the best player to get all those lessons. True. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be a sport. It can be music or, or different things, but I still think sports the best personally. Yep. Yep. I just do. So, but you don't have to be the best player on, on the team to get so much out of, out of that. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that more. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll have to, uh, that, that flag football, um, group that they've started out in, you know, the Frederick area or out West and what they're doing and, and, uh, talk about, changing girls lives and and disrupting you know whether it's the soccer team they play in the fall so the soccer team's looking over their shoulder and the field hockey team's looking over their shoulder a little bit but everything I saw seemed to be 
collaborative and and um, and and in a good space. And I, I think I read recently that the NFL is now on board, starting to support some of that. And and uh, we'll have to get into that and share some of it with our viewers who are our viewers or listeners that may not be aware yes. because those are uh, those are the types of things that I, I really want to call attention to and, and share because uh, I think that female component I mean we have three daughters and I, I think there's a, a component of that where um, you're breaking down some of those barriers and and um, and getting into some of those different sports that were exclusively football, exclusively male over time. But just because you're not tackling each other doesn't mean that you can't have a hell of a football game with great athletes. And we saw some out on the field that day. Yeah, this I mean, it totally tugs on my heartstrings and is so near and dear to my heart. Because as you know, my, my passion is talking about women in male-dominated industries and exposing females to new opportunities because construction opened up this world. I really wasn't interested in construction, so I started working with my uncle. My dad's always been super handy, can build anything from the ground up. So I always saw that, and then we're working with my uncle in lumber. That's how I got into it. Never did I have any dream at all. I mean, when I was in school that I would be in construction, I really didn't cross my mind. Not one time. Why would you? Exactly. That's my point. Why would you? Unfortunately, why would you? Yes. So I am now I'm like, wow, this created such an amazing life for me. Like I I say magical because really like I could have never expected it yet. So many young females have no idea. So I really feel like my what I want to do like in life is create these opportunities for women in construction and manufacturing and auto in you, I mean, farming, mining, like all of these male dominated industries and a females got to have a lot to add and a lot, uh, you, it's proven that a diversity, it, it, it makes everyone better mm-hmm. companies, people, you name it, but just to open those doors and at least know, hey, there there is an opportunity. You don't have to walk through that door, but like here it is. Yep. And I am so, um, I, I just, I'm dedicated to it. Yep. And and I want to get into not right now, but more about women-owned businesses. And for for any female that's thinking about doing it, and, and particularly in a male-dominated industry, how do you do it? What does it look like? What can you get out of it? Why do I do it? Why do I take the time and effort and risk? All of those things like I will address happily mm-hmm. because it's important. Sure. And uh, we're definitely starting to change some statistics and I continue to do so. And we've talked about this before, but you know, if you look at the top, what anyone, you point to somebody in the street and you say, who's, who's the most successful, name a successful female or whatever they're going to name an actress or they're going to name you just, just someone that's always in the limelight. And you have what I, the blue collar women that are incredibly successful by every definition of that word. However, however you look at it and no one knows their name. So it might be, I, I don't know if this is correct, but it's close to correct. At least it so was one of the first, um, the self-made billionaire females. And it might be the first is a woman named Diane Hendricks. And she is, she started a business with her husband who was a roofer and together they created ABC supply. Most people know what ABC supply is or have drove by one. If you, if you ask who Diane Hendricks is, but still, you know, relatively young and still very involved. Most people don't, I I didn't know who that was. Right. 
and I started reading her story and I was blown away. I was like, this is incredible. So those are all the women that I want to highlight. Like, so look, look what she's done. Like right. this is, and intend to do so by the way, yeah. bring these women on, tell their stories, show, because our daughters, they're not really interested. If you ask them, do either of them have interest in any of them have interest in manufacturing or construction? They're probably going to say no. Yeah. And, and they, they have demonstrations. Like they watch the us closest. do it every day. Yeah, absolutely. So there are so many females that have no demonstration. Well, of course they're not interested or, or most of them are. I'm not going to broad brush, but sure. so. There's work to be done there. I think it's fair to well, say. Well, we're yeah. getting to work. Good. We're getting there. We're, we're doing it. Well, I think we're off to a great start and uh, let's get together as soon as possible and talk. No, about- we can't announce. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. We're just getting, just getting warmed up. Yeah. <laughs>